As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love to win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jets coming. Carr puts some air under it. Wide open is Ruggs for the touchdown. Miraculous. No, he didn't. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation post-game edition here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Wynn, Tashawn Reed. It's a victory post-game that I don't think any of us saw coming in this fashion. Obviously, we all expected the Raiders would win this game against the Jets, and then it looked like they were not going to win. They, on the failed fourth down with under two minutes to go, the Jets gave the ball back to the Raiders with 35 seconds left. And then with five seconds left, the Raiders score and a 46-yard touchdown from Derek Carr to Henry Ruggs III. As the Jets go into an all-out eight-man blitz, cover zero, and Henry Ruggs burns an undrafted cornerback for uh, a touchdown. Guys, this is going to be a game that is obviously going to be remembered for the way the Jets lost it, probably more than the way the Raiders won it. But it's an important win for the Raiders, but just just a stunning game overall. Yeah, it was pretty shocking. I mean, uh, I thought uh, I thought I was over when they had the 11-point lead, and I think they had, what, they had three possessions in a row. I thought they could have iced the game. They didn't do it. And then all of a sudden, the Jets remembered, hey, we can run the ball whenever we want to against this defense. They started running the ball again, and so they took the lead. And um, But, yeah, it was just an amazing turnaround for both, you know, like you said, good and bad. And uh, a win they had to have, and I'm not sure, you know, it's not pretty, but um, they got it. And now they're still on to a, kind of like an elimination series the next few weeks against uh, some good teams. Yeah, I mean, offensively, they were just out of rhythm. Like, they couldn't run the ball. The Jets have a better run defense, people think. And obviously, Josh Jacobs not being in the game hurts. And the passing game, they just couldn't catch any rhythm. And Nelson Aguilar, I mean, he could have had a 200-yard game with Darren Wall. He was open so many times. I mean, there was a time in the first half where he was wide open. Carr didn't see him. And then in the second half towards the end of the game, he got open a bunch and they just couldn't connect. And those who had a pretty good have been connecting throughout the season, but they just couldn't do it in this game. But 
Carr got a, a big connection with Ruggs at the end of the game, obviously, for, for a touchdown. They feel good about it now, and, and it should feel good about a win, but you know, there's some issues going on with this team they have to fix if they really want to go on a playoff run. Yeah, I could tell early on that the defense, you know, they haven't had many good games this season, but this obviously wasn't going to be one of them. I mean, they were making the Jets look pretty good on offense. Sam Darnold, who's been awful for the majority of the season, was cooking. Um, like I said, they were running the ball at will. They were pretty much doing what they wanted, and then they had that that meltdown at the end of the first half where they had three turnovers in a row that, you know, like Vic said, it looked like the Raiders probably had the game in hand at that point. And then, uh, you know, the offense kind of had their cold spell. But yeah, this defense, obviously they had, uh, you know, they were missing Damon Arnett for most of the game because it looked like he got concussed for the second straight week without Malik Collins and, and Jonathan Abrams. So they were down three starters. But, I mean, just had the worst offense in the league coming into this game. And, you know, I already knew it, but it was just, this game just showed, like, you know, this defense is the ultimate liability for this team. I mean, the offense, um, you know, they had their lapses. They could have done better in certain areas, but they scored 31 points. And even less than 31 should be enough against the Jets, honestly. So, you know, that was probably the biggest concern coming out this game. I'm not too worried about the offense. You know, I think with Josh Jacobs being out and, and the Jets being good against the run, we, we didn't expect much from the running game. And the offensive line, you know, this is the second week in a row where they look kind of lack, uh, lackluster. You know, they didn't give up as many sacks today, but they couldn't get anything going on the ground. But, yeah, the offensive side, I, I think they're fine. But the defense is just – the offense really can't afford to have any miscues. You know, they, they almost have to score every time. Uh, for them to to win down the stretch here. Yeah, I thought the defense was making some a little bit not, not big but small strides in the last month or so. But and that's why I was surprised by today because um, I mean I didn't expect Sam Darnold and those running backs to, uh, guys I never heard of to uh, to kind of move the ball like that. I just think like Jimmy and I were talking about it before the podcast and the Frank Gore injury kind of actually you know helped the Jets because they had some guys come in with some juice and it definitely hurt the Raiders in terms of their running game. So um, definitely I'm very alarmed by that today. I'm kind of I'm almost thinking that Malik Collins may have been better than I thought he was because I think his absence was noticeable today in terms of the holes in the, in the middle of the defense. Yeah, no Malik Collins, no Jonathan Abram. Those are guys that, you know, Collins takes his heat for kind of being invisible this year and, and Abrams for uh, the plays that he misses. But obviously he does make plays. And so they still should be able to handle the worst offense in the league without those guys. We've all said all along, this Raiders defense, we don't expect them to be good. They don't have to be great. They just have to be, you know, close to average, and uh, they're they're far from that. But hey, they're seven and five. I don't know how Raider fans feel after this game. I mean, because I think they probably at, at the end of there they got con- themselves conditioned for the fact that they were going to be, you know, crying away a, a loss to the Jets on the road, and in a lot of ways it probably still kind of felt like one, uh, just because of how poorly they played. I mean, is it is it realistic to still talk about this team? as a potential playoff team after barely beating the Jets? I think so. I mean, they're only one game out of the playoff race. Um, you know, obviously with the big matchup with the Colts coming up here. Yeah, a bunch of those guys that, that were out, you know, Josh Jacobs, uh, Jonathan Abram, you know, potentially Trent Brown. You know, they, they might get some of their, their big starters that they were without back for that game. Um, and I do think those guys make a difference. I don't think they look like they, they look today if they were closer to being fully healthy. I don't think that Colts game is like an unwinnable game, you know? And if they knock off the Colts, then they're right in it. I think they'll be right back in that seventh seventh place spot uh, if the Dolphins continue to win. So, yeah, I, I think it's too close to, like, jump ship or anything at this point. But it's definitely, you know, concerning about, you know, you look at the schedule. Uh, if you, if you know, you're barely beating the Jets, then you really can't 
write off any of those teams. And then they pretty much have to win out or maybe only have one more loss the rest of the way for them to make it in. I think offensively, they just have some things they have to clean up. I mean, like I said, there, there were some opportunities for Aguilar downfield that they couldn't connect with. And they probably could have blew the game wide open earlier if they were able to capitalize on those uh, things. Josh Jacobs makes a big difference. If Trent Brown's able to come back, um, he's going to make a difference. I mean, this is the same team that the only team to beat the Chiefs in in a very, very long time. But, but they also could have been a team that lost to the Jets in a very lo- uh, long time. So they're just kind of um, an enigma. But they're a wild card type of team that, you know, could show. It's just so different week to week from what we, what we see. They do have playoff potential. You can't rely on them week 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 to week, so uh, we'll see what happens. I was going to for all the talk of the easy schedule this time of the year, I think the Raiders have shown they can beat anybody and they can lose anybody. I think that's just the way it is with this roster. I think there's enough holes and you know, inconsistency on this team where you can't really say for certain that they should beat this team or, or lose to that team. So I think they survived today somehow in the last play of the game. Kudos to uh, Henry Ruggs for getting open and Carr for hitting him. And kudos to Craig Williams for a really, truly de- terrible defensive call. But, um, yeah, they're still alive. So I think that's obviously they have some confidence now. Even if it's against the Jets, a win's a win. So they have three home games coming up, and the offense has to carry them. But you hope that the defense can make some more plays. And, again, today they, they got a great game out of Cleveland Furl and uh, even Traylon Mullen interception. So they got some guys today who made plays, but clearly um, most of the guys in defense did, did not. Let's break down that the final two minutes of this game, really. I mean, you look at the Raiders, you know, before they end up getting this miracle win. I mean, they were right in position to, to go ahead and try to take the lead with, uh, with under two minutes to go. They got the ball down to the nine yard line. Uh, they had scored a touchdown on the pass to Hunter Renfro that was nullified by uh, offsetting penalties, which, you know, helpful for the Raiders that uh, there was a penalty on the other side. So it wasn't just the Gabe Jackson holding call on, uh, on Quinn and Williams. Um, and then so fourth and three from the nine. And they run that play where Carr tries to hit Aguilar, and I uh, really just kind of short hopped him. Just not a not a great throw, and it looked like that was going to be the defining image of this game until uh, until the Raiders were able to get the ball back. He missed a long throw to Aguilar, and then on fourth down, Aguilar got open on a corner route, and he kind of just threw off his back foot and missed him too. Actually, before that, there was another opportunity to Aguilar that he he threw short because he threw off the, his back foot as well. And then on that final play, I guess this is something that Greg Williams has done regularly in Hail Mary situations where he just like all out blitz quarterbacks. So this is not something weird. And they had a quarterback spy on uh, Derek Carr who doesn't really scramble that often on that play. Just overall bad call, but it's something that's not irregular for Greg Williams. It's in his DNA. Yeah, I'm not buying it. I think the, the Jets... Like I'm not gonna say they they were trying to lose, but they weren't trying to win when you when you're doing something like that. I mean, but the Raiders didn't have any timeouts left. You all out blitz them, and you put, you know, a cornerback who ran a, a 4.58 at the combine on one of the fastest players in the league with no safety help and man coverage with 13 seconds. Like it just it just screams like please beat me, you know. And this is like the Raiders still have to connect. Like you know, Carr has to make that throw. Rugs has to haul it in. But uh, I'm not, I'm not giving Greg Williams a pass for that one. Man. I, don't, I don't care if it's worked before. 
Greg Williams is not going to be. He's not going to be on staff next year. This whole staff is not going to be there next year. He's going to be the head coach. <laughs> he he's he's fighting for his head coaching life. He wants those letters, uh, those head coaching letters to come in. He's going to get a big bonus. They're going they're going to give him a big bonus check when they get the number one pick. Are we certain that the staff won't be back next year? I mean, I mean, maybe this is all part of the plan. Maybe like you know what, we're going to get Trevor Lawrence to next season. And you guys are, I mean, I'm not sure, I've heard rumors about Gase maybe staying on next year. So, I mean, I know Gase and Williams go back, I mean, they're kind of hot and cold. But um, I, I agree, the whole season's been, been kind of fishy for the Jets. I think um, that Patriots game was fishy. Today's a little fishy. I just think, plus, they're not very good, obviously. They don't have a lot of talent. But, um, yeah, today's the game. I think the players in that locker room, both offense and defense uh, in the Jets locker room, were all talking about it. I can't believe that call. Like, I mean, that's a game you shouldn't lose that way. So I think even the players now are kind of like, hey, I mean, what's what's going on here? For Ruggs, making that touchdown catch, however bad the play call was for the Jets, you know, for him to get that touchdown after kind of the game that he had experienced. He had the fumble earlier in, in, in the second half. He had the ball that went off his hands for the interception, and, and I know Gruden said that he should have caught it. Um, it did hit him in the hands, although it was a fastball from from a pretty short distance. And, you know, when I first saw the play, you know, they ran that a lot where they sent him in motion and he kind of went out to the flat. I thought Carr had him kind of right there, right after he finished the motion and was open in the flat and probably should have thrown it then. But um, then it kind of, you know, the play extended a little bit and then he tried to hit him with the fastball. Um, so Gruden kind of blamed him for that interception. Again, no matter how bad the play call is for the Jets, for the rookie to make that kind of play, make a game-winning play, uh, that could be something that, that sparks him a little bit. Oh, definitely. I think, plus, when that ball, the ball is in the air for a long time, and based on what happened previously with the you know the interception and the fumble, I'm not sure everybody was like, oh, he's definitely going to catch it. I think everyone's kind of holding their breath, like making sure he gets the, to the ball and brings it down. So definitely a big confidence thing for him. I think um, Ideally, I still don't know why I don't give him more shots deep during the game. I think it's just the obvious thing you can do with making draw a pass interference call. I still want to see him get more targets, but he made a play at the end of the game. They they, they, they kind of went to him with a double move, and and it worked. So I think it's a nice day, nice day for him. And also, I think it was Derek Carr's what twentieth comeback win. I think that leads the uh, what was the stat the Raiders said. I think it's the most comeback wins in the first seven years of your career, most fourth quarter comeback wins. So he's been clutch in the fourth quarter over his career. So again, today he wasn't always sharp, but he made the plays when he needed to. And I think for Ruggs on that play specifically, like it wasn't like he just ran a, a streak, you know, just a regular goal ball and just ran past a guy. Like he had to, you know, actually, you know, run a good route and then and get him to bite on that inside fake before breaking back outside and, you know, have the ability to hit his top, maybe not his top speed, but to accelerate um, off of that so quickly to get open. I mean, you know, that's one of the major reasons why the Raiders drafted him. You know, it's not like he's just a speedster. He, you know, he has all the skill set that you would want from a receiver. It's just a matter of putting it all together. And that hasn't happened very often this season. He's kind of had these big flashes, whether it be that catch or, or the two long catches he had against the Chiefs. Obviously, there's some more factors today. Like, you know, the, the, the Raiders target receivers fewer on fewer opportunities than any other team in the league, and the offensive line has been beat up. So um, he doesn't get as many chances as some of the other rookie wide receivers. But it's moments like this where, you know, the Raiders kind of stand on that pick, you know, even with some of the other receivers, rookie receivers in the league having a better season. I agree. I, this is a, a big confidence booster for Ruggs, especially with those missed opportunities early in the game. And they're going to need him to, have, to be big against the Colts because the Colts have a, a pretty good defense, one of the top defenses statistically. But their weaknesses are their corners. Their corners don't play very well in man coverage. They aren't very fast. So next week potentially could be huge for Rugs, And having that confidence booster at the end of the game will hopefully 
you know, carry on to the next game. Speaking of uh, confidence boosters, about Darren Waller's confidence, man, got 200 yards catching, uh, 13 catches, uh, beat man-to-man coverage every different way possible. Just um, clearly another game where he shows you definitely one of the top three tight ends in, in the NFL. They just refused to double-team him, too, which is kind of confounding. They just kept on rotating guys to try to cover him man-to-man, and they couldn't do it, and they just would not double him. So another questionable decision from Greg Williams there. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. 17 targets for Waller today. I mean, to get the get those 200 yards. I mean, that the guy is just uh, he hasn't bat he hasn't had the big yardage this year. I think he came into the game, you know, what eight and a half yards per catch or whatever. But this was finally his his breakout game, getting the yardage and uh, getting his kind of numbers up to where about where you'd expect him to be. Yeah, we always get the you know the post game notes, of course, from the team, and like this is like one of the best you know receiving games period like in Raiders history. I mean, is He's the first Raider tight end to, to hit 200 receiving yards, and his 13 catches were the are the second most in a single game in Raider history. And you know, he also stacks up there with some of the, the other all all time great tight end performances, regardless of the team. So, you know, obviously the Jets made it a little bit easy for him at times, leaving him in single man coverage uh, when he was roasting guys so easily. But uh, yeah, you know, like Vic said, I think he, yeah, I, I argue, put him you know, second in the league as far as tight ends behind uh, Travis Kelsey. I actually looked it up at one point. I was going to say the most catches um, in a game by a tight end is by his teammate, uh, Jason Witten, at 18 for the Cowboys in one game. So you're putting him ahead of Kittle? I think availability factors into it, too, with that. It's like, you know, Kittle has been a little bit banged up. And I think at their very best, like I think I would rather have Waller. I think Kittle's the better, maybe overall tight end, better blocker, but I think Waller's the, the better receiver. I'd probably still go with Kittle over Waller, but I think Waller's definitely third in my, in my mind. I would go third just because Kittle's so dominating as a run blocker, but I guess it depends on what, what kind of offense you want to run, too. Yeah, and Kittle's a little bit better after the catch. I mean, his that play against New Orleans last year was insane. But we talked about not uh, you know not targeting the receivers much. as they, The Raiders don't. They did target receivers 23 times on Sunday. Uh, that still was less than half uh, of Derek Carr's 47 pass attempts. But if you want to look at one area where the Raiders' offense, why they struggled... Ted referenced the, the kind of lack of connection with Nelson, Nelson Aguilar. 
11 targets and he only had four catches for 38 yards. And, you know, right before the the touchdown to Ruggs, Aguilar got deep on a go route and Carr overthrew him. Um, there was a few instances where those guys just weren't quite on the same page. And they, you know, we've seen that a lot this year where Carr and Ruggs haven't been on the same page. And I think today it, w- it was surprising a little bit to see that him and Aguilar were just a little bit off target. Yeah, it looked like Aguilar was a little bit frustrated there, specifically on the uh the fourth and three that car threw a little bit short in the end zone that where it looked like he, he could have caught it. But I bet car is probably telling me, hey man, don't, don't forget those uh, touchdowns you've been dropping the last couple of weeks. So yeah, I guess they're kind of even now, but yeah, it's been something with car where, you know, certain times he throws it too short on a deep ball and then other times he throws it too long. So he's, he's having some issues um, with various receivers, not just, you know, Aguilar and Ruggs, but even a couple of, to, to Waller. So you know, we're, we're pretty deep into the season now, so I don't know if it's a you know a chemistry thing. I just think maybe he he's not used to doing it. He hasn't been doing it as much the last few years, so so maybe it's something that he's got to got to grow into moving forward. I also think his confidence probably is, is slipped a little bit in terms of the offensive line. I think early on this year, I think he had more confidence, and they kind of struggled of late. I think you can see it in his eyes a little bit with the pressure today. The blitzes are coming from all different directions, so I think if and when Trent Brown's back next week, that'd be big and. I think also Rodney Hudson even had trouble today against uh, against Quinn Williams. Uh, so I think um, overall their line wasn't very good today. I think he definitely um, suffers from that uh, more than maybe most quarterbacks do. Towards the end of the game, he was kind of throwing off his back foot when he didn't need to. So he was starting to feel a little phantom pressure there. Yeah, you can't do that too often. And he, I think he just did that a little too many times in the fourth quarter. But again, they got that redemptive play and it all doesn't matter now. That has been kind of weird to watch the last few weeks. Carr, you remember against Kansas City, the last play where he was intercepted, he he did that too, where it was just like he gets a snap and he kind of is just like by default getting ready to throw off the back foot. He's been doing a lot of those in late game situations, just throwing off the back foot, just I think kind of prepare. I don't know if he's preparing himself for the pressure to be there and, and just kind of he's going to throw off the back foot regardless. But have you guys... Thought that was weird at all the way he's kind of uh, thrown a lot of those passes lately. I mean, it worked on the final play of the game. Uh, I think that one was kind of one of those back foot passes too. I was gonna say last week against the Falcons, um, when he threw his pick six, it was another one of those where the right side of the pocket was collapsing, and then the pressure was about to get there. But they like did a weird jump pass kind of off his back foot and um, ended up throwing it behind Devontae Booker, and, and the Falcons picked it off and ran it back for for pick six, and so. You know, obviously, for the the vast majority of the season, the offensive line has played well enough to where he hasn't really had to worry about it like that. But the last couple of weeks, they started to have some breakdowns, particularly at on the right side. You know, Sam Young came back and started this game instead of Brandon Parker being at right tackle. So uh, I'm not I'm not sure he trusts either one of those guys uh, when it comes to protecting them when he's you know not not looking at it in that direction. So I guess we'll see with Brown. You know, if he's able to come back, obviously that would that would give them a huge boost if he's. You know, even if he's not fully healthy, I, th- I think he would be still be an upgrade over, over Young or, or Parker. So maybe w- once Brown gets back out there, he'll uh, start settling down a little bit more. He's gotten better at not throwing off his back foot as often as he did early in his career throughout the season. But I agree. I think he he's starting to do that a little too much in the last few games. And this is getting to that part of the season where, you know, guys kind of regress in their fundamentals because you're, you're not really working on fundamentals and practice too much now. You're just kind of going through your game plan. But after this week, when you see how it's hurting the offense, especially towards the end of the game, is something that you know he might 
want to work on a little more and put a bigger focus on it. You know, Vic, you talked earlier about uh, Cleveland Furl. You know, he had two big plays, two strip sacks, and doing it against a you know really good rookie left tackle in Mackay Becton, a guy he's familiar with. They from the same hometown. They played in the ACC together. Uh, Clee at Clemson, him at uh, Louisville, and uh, especially the first strip sack where he kind of showed a little speed rush to get around the the edge of, of Becton. That was a, that was pretty impressive. Might have been. I mean, that might be the best defensive play, best pass rush we've seen from him in his NFL career. Yeah, after the game we talked to him, he mentioned how, he, like you said, he played against Beckton a lot growing up and also in college, Beckton was at Louisville. So he kind of had some secrets and some kind of things he he knew how to work against him. So I think that was a good matchup for him. And definitely he had the two strip sacks. Not, he almost got a third one. He came close later on in the game. So definitely was a factor more so than most other guys on defense. And uh, again, for a guy who's been on COVID and kind of he said he had some of his wind taken away from him and his conditioning wasn't quite where he wanted it to be. Definitely a nice comeback game for him. That, to me, was definitely his best pass rush of his entire career. I mean, it was against a good left tackle that wasn't giving up much pressure at all this season. And it was a quick pressure where, you know, he just did a quick hand swipe and got in there right away. And the, the second sack, it was a stunt where he was supposed to set up the other guy to get inside. But he ended up just pushing Beckton out the way and getting there for for another strip sack. So uh, maybe this is a kind of a turning point and he could apply a little more pressure because the Raiders definitely need it down the stretch. Yeah, even though these were his his first two sacks, though he had been doing pretty well when it comes to when it came to pressure in the quarterback this season. I think he was second on the team uh, with pressures. I, I guess it's not the hardest thing to do with with how the pass rush has been, but he's he's pretty close to to Crosby in terms of the total number of pressures. So he's like been getting really close, or he'll get there, and, and you know the guy will just get rid of the ball, or somebody else gets the sack. But you know he's been better than the raw sack numbers make it appear. I think this season when it comes to to rushing the passer. He's given himself a chance to get in uh, to get after that uh, that number that we set for him uh, five and a half sacks uh, on the season. Maybe if he has another couple of big games, he can get there and uh, and beat our. Numbers. I also love his confidence. I think at one point today after the game, he said that uh, all teams in the league fear the Raiders, and it's to say that after a narrow win over the Jets, that's a lot of confidence. That's definitely got some moxie. I, I can appreciate that. Yeah, and I think he was he's talking about the Chiefs. I think he called them the so-called champs or something. So-called defending champs. <laughs> the so-called champs. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Wow. Wow. <laughs> Big reason why he lost last two weeks because he didn't play. He was on a roll today. He was definitely feeling himself, which is good. I mean, yeah, he did say that too. Yeah, I mean, he dominated the Chiefs the first time, so I guess he felt like, hey, if I was out there, we would have gave the boys to work. You get two ship sacks, you could, you could talk. You could talk. All right, so. Though maybe when the Jets went for 206 yards, maybe he shouldn't talk that much, but it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> but he did criticize he did, his he run did. defense he today. Did. That's he did. He, he did. He, he, so he. He's got to be better against the run. This would have been a really, really long flight home from New York for New Jersey uh, if the Raiders had lost this game. I mean, it, it counts as a win on the standings, and, and I think by the time they watch film and put it away, they'll be able to look at it that way. It obviously wasn't pretty, wasn't perfect. This is a weird team. It's the team that's been able to go toe-to-toe, that has beaten the Chiefs, and has gotten run out of town by the Falcons and nearly beat by the Jets. So, we don't know what the hell to expect when the Colts come to town next week, but you got to figure that the Raiders, if they can, uh, if they can put together the kind of game that they played against the Chiefs the last time they were at home, uh, they uh, they've got a chance to win the one. Or if they play like they did the last two weeks, it could be a long one. But it'll be fun to to see how this team responds uh, the next four games. 
And they're playing games that matter in December. That's a good step for them. So obviously they got to win this one coming up to have a chance at the playoffs. I think, but definitely I think it's a you know it's a kind of a pick 'em game. I'm sure we're just, the points might probably be close to pick 'em probably. So I think it's a, anybody can win, win this game. All right. Well, that'll wrap up this week's State of the Nation. We will be back in the middle of the week to get you set for the Raiders taking on Philip Rivers and the Indianapolis Colts. Talk to you guys later. Adios.